This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Sammy sitting in for Izzy alongside Kimpy. Kimpy, I mate, I don't even know where to start, to be honest. I've got a I've got a document here that goes about ten pages. No, it's because you're the, the breakfast show, mate. We're yeah, the big time. That's the big yeah, time, yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it didn't come from you, though. <laughs> Cut it out, Sam. Mate, so, uh, we're going to be running it straight, sir. It is. It is. Uh, it's a special Monday edition of Running It Straight. Next three hours, uh, we're going to talk a lot of sport over the next three hours, of course. Uh, your involvement, welcome. On double eight double three. you can jump on the phone as well anytime, 0800 150 uh, We've got rugby. We've got the FIFA World Cup underway, currently halftime between... Uh, cut a deal and Ecuador 2-0 at half time in favour of Ecuador um, Lydia Ko currently tied for first in the CME group to a championship the final event of the LPGA for the year she's 15 under she's actually tied for first so battling it out with uh, Maguire from Ireland um, yeah plenty of rugby internationals the All Blacks drawing 25 all with England plenty of chat around that to be had this morning. Uh, Rugby League World Cup finals, men's and women's. Uh, we had trampolinists winning world championships. We have uh, motorsport, Liam Lawson uh, winning the sprint race in Abu Dhabi in Formula 2, then getting a podium third in the feature race to finish out that season. We've had the uh, the A-League. We've had cricket as well. Just too much, Kempi. Where were your eyes glued to over the weekend, mate? Well, obviously the World Cup finals were the, the big ones with the Aussies and Samoans and seeing all the flags out on uh, on Auckland streets and still yesterday um, out on my walk, many uh, Samoan flags out still celebrating the, the fact that Samoa made it into the World Cup final. Uh, disappointing from my my. Um, for me, in and around that, uh, Aussies really didn't get out of second gear. Mm. I thought. I thought, um, you know, the final. Obviously, New Zealand played Aussie the week before was really what should have been played, um, but you know, they just couldn't get up for it. Samoa, you know, just they, I think the percentage rates were down around seventy percent for the World Cup final. So, um, although although Australia didn't get out of second gear, they still done it quite easily. And of course. The Wahine, um, the Australian Jilleru is doing it quite easy against the Kiwi fans, and that one was a real surprise for me because I thought that they'd actually have a have a decent dig. Yeah, um, you know, and talked just talked about really completing their sets, but well, they couldn't complete anything because they just didn't want to tackle. 
and a lot of the tries that the Jewellery scored were they'd look at those a lot of those girls and go they just weren't there um, when the time counted in the in, on the biggest stage when you're playing in a final for a World Cup. So uh, watch the All Blacks went through that. That was really interesting. Um, I like 25, you said went through that. Put yourself through that. Oh uh, yeah, twenty five six with ten minutes to go. You think you shut it out, you know? But you know, as a referee, yes. I think one one of the one of the biggest learnings from this is is the World Cup next year is a referee is going to have a big hand in a say and who's going to win that World Cup because um, you don't know what you're getting week in week out from the referees that are in the middle of the park. So there was that. Uh, obviously, Lydia, Lydia Co, like you said, started off well, um, still battling it out there. Our golfers have been absolutely on fire yeah. um, this year. And, of course, the World Cup, the Soccer World Cup, with uh, Ecuador kicking off against, against Quatago. What are they, 2-0 up already, Ecuador, uh, at half time. So, mate, there's just, I don't, I don't know. Everywhere so, you look, it yeah. looks like there's another World too, Cup playing. Too, too many screens to keep your eyes on. Uh, we'll talk with Drew Derbyshire after 7 o'clock on the uh, Rugby League World Cup. Uh, we'll also catch up with uh, Sam Roberts, a Premiership Rugby commentator and writer, talk uh, through that England All Blacks game. After 8 o'clock, we will talk some FIFA World Cup. And uh, we're hoping to catch up as well with Dylan Schmidt, who did win uh, at the World Champs. Of course, a bronze medalist at the Olympics last year and uh, picking up the World Champs. He is a phenomenal young talent. Um, so hopefully catch up with Dylan as well. Just uh, back to the World Cup, though, um, Kempe. It was good to see Old Trafford sold out, though, to be honest. We talked with Gary Schofield last Wednesday, and he thought that maybe the English fans wouldn't turn up, you know, given that England wasn't wasn't in there and they'd already bought their tickets. He thought, look, guys, don't expect a, a packed house. But it was packed, which was, you know, that that's a good result. And, and of course, it was awesome to see Samoa there. We know how much uh, that means to their community. We, we saw it on the streets in Auckland. But... You know, the, the final win away in, in many ways was last week, wasn't it, between the Kiwis mm. and Kangaroos? And if you had had that game as the final, you probably would have been quite happy as a as a rugby league fan. I think as a purist, you would have loved loved to see that. Though they're definitely the two best teams in the competition um, on that side of the draw. England would obviously have liked to see the English men and and roses in the in the finals, uh, which was unfortunate. But like every event that's played over in England, you got you got Wembley. Um, you got the grand final played at, at Old Trafford. It doesn't really matter. Anyone uh, who's an English fan loves supporting rugby league. If they bought a ticket, they'd go along and support it. So it was good to see them pack it out. Um, and you're dead right about Samoa, though. You know, donning the flags all over New Zealand uh, in the support to um, hopefully get the job done. I was speaking to John Schuster last night and just did a Zoom call with him up in the islands and. He was basically saying, you know, it's just gone crazy up there with the rugby league and and what's happening on the world stage. And already, you know, made a comment a couple of weeks ago, Sam, about the eligibility rules changing a state of origin because of this World Cup. And Freddie Fittler came out yesterday, uh, I think it was on Friday morning, him and uh, Joe John sitting down and Freddie saying, look, uh, Kiwis, New Zealanders and... Um, Pacific Islanders need to have the eligibility rules changed so we don't lose state of origin. So it's already starting to happen. Uh, I think it's, you know, one thing about the World Cup, I'm pretty disappointed that the Kiwis uh, didn't compete. You know, the women in the final, they didn't really compete and the men didn't make it to the final. I think it was a real disaster from the New Zealand perspective because we were the best team there. Mm. Uh, I talked about it yesterday at Fujitsu when I did a breakfast with the Fujitsu team on behalf of uh, SENZ and, and basically just said, you know, like, we just didn't, uh, I guess, have that two percent extra of uh, on the day. We should have, we should have really shut Australia out. And I think this was a World Cup that got away from us. You know, not one that you know. The last time we won in two thousand eight, we were never going to pick to win it. Yeah. 
Okay, and and but this time, I think you've got to be pretty disappointed that we didn't bring it home. So the question, Kempi, is if you're going to allow internationals to play in state of origin, obviously you've got to change the name because it's not going to be state of origin. It's not going to be New South Wales and Queensland. So would you just scrap it all together and just have an international window? Well, why not, think, why not get that, more international yeah, rugby league? You know, if we're just going to get the best players playing against each other, why not push them back into their international teams yeah. and just have them playing more regularly? The, well, the, the biggest problem with that is that the NRL is actually an AFL model, so it's all about club land, and they'd be quite happy playing one one series a year, and that's state of origin. You know, so at the end of the year, the AFL they go up to Ireland and they play a hybrid game up there. Um, they don't play internationals, obviously, because it's a uh, a game really that's only been played in, in Australia. Um, and rugby league take the sort of same uh, methodology in the way that they think is that, well, we only want to play NRL football. We don't really want to play any more than state of origin. So clubs don't release their players. That's the biggest issue that you've got. And until the international body actually has some teeth in the in the game, and especially with the players, see, the players will determine through the, um, the, collective, the CBA collective bargaining agreement whether or not international football should be a window. But you, you just the clubs basically say, no, we don't want our players to play, and they just pull them out left, right and centre and get, try and get them prepared for the year um, following the, the, their competitions. Uh, oh, look, I think, I think they can live side by side, Sam. I think, you know, it is a progression. You're dead right, state of origin, state of heritage probably now. Okay. I, I think the branding's going to be the pretty much the same because it's a massive brand. It's worth close to $30 million a year to New South Wales and Queensland. Mm. Um, but... You can't have a state of origin if the best talent aren't playing in it. Yeah, well, there and there are a lot of players that have been playing state of origin that wouldn't be, you know, that would be pulled well, away. Well, this year you already look, you, you know, you look at the the Samoan team, you know, Luai, you'd say, would probably make the Australian side. Um, Crichton would probably make the Australian side. Papali, he may, is an Australian player. You know, uh, Valent- you know the, the likes of Valentine Holmes and that, what happens if they go back to the Cook Islands? Mm. You know, what happens if Latrell Mitchell gets an indigenous side and him and Ado Carr, you know what I mean? They go they go to an indigenous side. So it's it's sort of it can get stronger, but until the International Federation actually have some teeth, they mate, they just they're gonna get stood on all the time by, yeah, the, by the by the NRL. And they have to capitalise on what has sort of been the the most um you know, I don't know. Interesting World Cup. It certainly has had the most public interest because of more competitiveness. Obviously, more teams that had a shot. Um, although you know, it doesn't seem like that in the end with Australia winning like they always do. But you know, we had Samoa there. We had Tonga. England was competitive. We had a few sprinklings of you know PNG at Fiji, Fiji. Just about got home. Fiji. So um, you know, they got to build on that, like the like the um, like the Black Ferns. You know, they have to build on on what has been a pretty successful World Cup. Um, and keep on developing it. Just, just back to the final. Do you think Samoa, like what went wrong for them? Do you think maybe they getting to the final was almost where they had used all their, I guess, emotion and, and once get, you know they would just let, let it get to them a little bit when they finally got there. Because uh, I mean, getting there was is the achievement, right? And that's what yeah. the Samoan community is celebrating: the fact that they are actually there. You know, no one was expecting them to beat Aussie, but you know, do you think maybe that's why they didn't perform? Sunday morning? No, look, I just don't think they had the class, to be brutally honest. I think on that other, that other side of the, the draw, the england Samoa um, tonga draw is the weaker side of the draw. And, you know, when they got up there, like if you have a look at Milford, you have a look at Harris Tavita, you know, Danny Levi had to come home, mm. you have a look at their spine, um, all all but probably, probably uh, Suwali stepped up to the plate. Mate, they'd be ranked four, five, 
maybe even further down the list as halves and hookers in the competition. So you, you you look at their you look at their spinal line and it comes up against Munster. Cleary Cleary couldn't have had a better game. Seriously, three try assists. Um, stepped up to the plate. Had a week from hell as far as the media going, saying when's Nathan Cleary actually going to put play in this Australian jersey? And then comes out and says, "There you go. That's why I'm in the final." Um, and I just I just think they were outclassed. And it was it was always you know people were picking twenty points. Um, a better team, the Australians. Oh, to, to be brutally honest, I actually thought they were way better than that. They mm. could have they could put another twenty points on them whenever they wanted to. Um, but the the thing about Samoa for me it wasn't really about making making the final. It was the journey to get to the final. And the journey to get to the final started with Jason Tomalolo when he decided to come out of New Zealand and play for play yeah for, back in twenty seven play for Tonga. Yeah, you know what I mean. And then all of a sudden, oh okay. Maybe we should do, try and do that. And then the Samoan boys go, well, if they can do that to Tonga in their country, let's see if we can emulate it. And, of course, what happened? Well, it's gone blue out here in Auckland. Yeah. You know, they stopped, they stopped traffic in Samoa. Australia's gone nuts around, you know, you got to think about Penrith will be the biggest beneficiaries of this out at West Sydney. Um, every kid now wanting to play rugby league is a Pacific Island heritage out there in West Sydney. Penrith's just gone and put another 10 years on top of the NRL trophy. So yeah. I, I think the journey to the final was probably the most captivating part of it for me. And hopefully we are going to see, you know, if we don't see a Pacific Cup down here in New Zealand next year, there's something wrong. Definitely something wrong. I don't have no faith in our national body pulling that off. And the International Federation should have already secured it and announced it directly after the World Cup. So, you know, there's no no foresight. Um, we missed the Tongan one because the Tongan one should have been a New Zealand Tonga test series every year. We missed that. Now, are they going to miss this one? Because now Samoa stepped up and have a Pacific Cup. I remember JT when he made that decision, the outcry from New Zealand fans who were, you know, very annoyed that he was leaving New Zealand. But really, he has been the trailblazer and he, you know, by all means uh, is going to be looked back at, I think, being the, the catalyst to while these players have decided to go home. Um, Kempi, uh, the All Blacks, a very disappointing end. Well, I think a very disappointing end to their season. Um, I actually thought that they would lose at Twickenham. I said that before the season started. I sort of looked at the schedule and I thought, end of the, end of the long tour um, at Twickenham against an English side, that just, you know, looks like a banana skin game. For the first <laughs> 60 minutes... Probably the best 60 minutes we've seen all year from the All Blacks, to be honest, Kempe. I mean, refereeing aside, because that game was so stop-start, far too many penalties. I mean, yes, Raynal was referring to the law of the game, and so the calls were correct, but yet, like, rugby can't turn into that. Otherwise, you know, if you were a new fan watching that game, Kempe, I reckon you would have turned off. It was just so stop-start. Complicated. And just too, yeah. Frustrating. Too convoluted. And too frustrating. And so the All Blacks, I think, played very well under those circumstances for 60 minutes. But then the last 20... Just completely fell away, and that is, to me, uncharacteristic of the All Blacks, Kempi. And yeah. to end in a draw, I mean, that is a loss in my mind. And you know, in terms of the season, it sort of does sum up their season in a way. It'd be very up and down, very inconsistent. One week good, the next week bad. And I don't think I don't. You know, I'm not sure Fozzie after the game saying that you know that the team's building well for the World Cup next year. I'm not sure that is the, the greatest preparation. No, and, he, and of course he's got to say that. He's not going to come out and say, well, I'm really disappointed with that. We let, we let a 15-point lead slip away in the last uh, last nine minutes and end up with a draw and could have lost it if they didn't kick the ball out in the end and, and went for it. Um, I'd be disappointed too. I'd be really disappointed 
Um, I think I think you did right. Some of the football early on was really good. I, personally, for me, I think the turning point was when Cody Taylor he threw the ball in the line out and, and back to back penalties. Um, our decisions against them, and you could see the frustration on his face. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, you you got to get rid of that. But uh, Raynell was terrible, mate. Like. I think that I think if you go back to the Australian decision and around the time wasting, now he's a textbook referee, and common sense went out the window. Yeah, like the one when he got the English winger for being offside, um, when he carried the football from the from the ruck, I went back to it. I went, mate, no one in the world saw that. <laughs> well, what about the the kick directly into touch from uh, Caleb Clark, and they call Rico Wani offside? It went straight into touch. Um, it had nothing to do with the plate. And the thing is, unbelievable. That, that's why the rules are open to interpretation, Kempi, is because there needs to be, as you said, a bit of common sense, a bit of game management to make sure that the game's flowing back and forth. A referee, in my mind, it's not their job to pick up every little detail. And that just seemed like what Raynal was doing. It was well, like he's trying to prove a point. It stops the flow in the ebb of the game. And, you know, momentum swings are so massive in, in international sport that if you can get on – like, they were just on a roll. And, of course, what you saw was that like, momentum swing back to the English in the last 10 minutes. And you couldn't stop it. If it went for another five minutes, we lose. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, give us your thoughts on that. Double eight, double three, oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven as well. Happy to take your calls on the All Blacks or on the uh, Rugby League World Cup. Yeah, that's no, a good point you make, Kempi. Um, let us know your thoughts on double eight, double three, um, and yeah, what you made of the uh, of the Rugby League World Cup, which we're going to talk to about with Drew Derbyshire. He's the deputy editor editor of Love Rugby League up there in the UK, and he joins us now on the line. G'day, Drew. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Um, I've I've just finished uh, the the wrap up here here in the UK. I've, I've been to twenty two games in thirty five days, so it's it's time for a couple of weeks off. I think. <laughs> oh, you're living the dream, Drew. You're living the dream up there, mate. I was I'd I'd trade your places. You come down here and talk to Sammy Hewitt every day, mate. It'd make my life a hell of a lot easier. <laughs> mate, mate, it's very very cold in the UK, and it's it's windy, and and it and it's not stopped raining for about four days. Oh, now, did, so, uh, no difference down here, to be honest. But <laughs> that's a, that's an anomaly, eh, Kippy? It is. Hey, hey, Drew, just on the you're wrapping up the um, Rugby League World Cup. The question I really want to ask is, what is the main? Um, I guess the main positive being out of the World Cup for you, and has the does it look like the International Federation are actually going to make good um, and take this this World Cup forward with more games between the next World Cups? Yeah, I, th- I think the the biggest positive for me uh, coming out of, out of this Rugby League World Cup is the fact that so many nations are improving now. So it's not just Australia, New Zealand, and England who are who are performing. Uh, because obviously, look at Samoa; they they were playing in the first ever Rugby League World Cup final, uh, and it's astonishing, really, when you think of how Samoa started the tournament. The, it was a sixty points to six defeat to England in that opening game in Newcastle, and everyone was tipping England to maybe go on and, and win the tournament, uh, or certainly rival the likes of the Kiwis and, and the Kangaroos. Uh, but wow, the Samoa we're building and that's what the the coach Matt Parrish were was saying all along that it's not about how you start it's how you finish uh, and they did very very well to to get to the final i i think nations like fiji um samoa tonga uh, papua new guinea they've all improved massively over the last couple of years uh, and i think the gap is certainly closing between uh, the tier 2 nations and the tier 1 nations if you like and I, I think that's the big, the biggest positive for me coming out of of the World Cup, and I, I know the 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 Kangaroos have have won it again, 
but there's so many more nations now competing at the top end, and even even Lebanon as well. Uh, I've, I didn't mention them. Uh, the and, and they had a really impressive uh, campaign, and and they reached the the quarterfinal stage as well. So, uh, I, the biggest thing for me was was the fact that there's so many competitive nations now, uh, and I think that's key for for international rugby league moving forward that we do have a competitive market uh, and not just the the big three if you like uh, having tours and and test matches between those three we want to see the likes of Tonga or Samoa come over to England and and maybe do a, a three match test tour or something like that um the Tonga coach Christian Wolf was we talking a couple of weeks ago in one of his press conferences and he wants to to have like a Pacific test match against uh, Samoa in Tonga. Uh, and he wants to do the same in Samoa and take his Tonga side over there as well. And how good would it be to have a proper international rugby league calendar moving forward? Uh, I think that the meeting or before Christmas um, to, to discuss the international calendar moving forward. Uh, but I think every player you speak to in this World Cup, they say they want to have more test matches. Like playing for the country and representing the heritage is the absolute pinnacle for them. Uh, and there, there was so much passion on showing the World Cup. So I hope that we do get a proper international calendar because if, if Rugby League can follow the in similar footsteps as, of, as what the, the Rugby Union counterparts have done in recent times, then there's no reason why it can't be a, a big international game as well. Drew, just um, from the Northern um, Hemisphere perspective, it's easy for us to talk about windows down here, given we're all sort of on the same schedule and, and talking about Australia, the Kiwis, the island nations. What What's the appetite for England to get involved in an international window and when would that happen in and around the Super League? Uh, there's, there's huge appetite in, in England. Uh, I think a lot of people get behind the English national team and, and we, we do want to beat the Aussies and we do want to beat the Kiwis uh, one day and, and lift the, the World Cup because it's been a, a long time uh, between drinks of that happening. Obviously, in, in Rugby League, in Super League in particular, there's a lot of games that's been played uh, mm. throughout the season because obviously we've got the Challenge Cup as well over here. So, um, uh, how many how many games are in a, in a regular NRL season, roughly, 20, including the final? 20, well, there's 25 regular season, then obviously yeah, you've got you know, four or five finals weeks, so upwards of 30 yeah. games. Yeah, so so in Super League, you, you could, for for some of the the top teams who, who will be more than likely reaching the finals, then. We're playing about thirty-seven, thirty-eight games, I think, wow. uh, by the end of the season. So it's it it can be a hell of a lot of games for for the players, and and obviously we want the players uh, to have a healthy off season as well. We want them to to obviously have the rest that that they deserve after a long off season. So I'm not sure about the way that we go about it, uh, but there's a lot of appetite from the players and the coaches involved to to play more regular test matches. Um, England have recently announced that they'll be playing uh, France in a mid-season test next year, uh, and hopefully, I think that's going to be a, a regular occasion uh, moving forward. Uh, but there's also a big appetite for the likes of Scotland, Wales, uh, and Ireland to to be playing more regularly as well. So, I think everyone who, who I've spoken to they, they want to have more international fixtures, and and I think if we can get over the barrier of of the scheduling of the the NRL and the, the Super League seasons, I think uh, it can only be a good thing for for our game. Uh, but I think it'll have to come at, at the end of 
at the end of the seasons rather than England making the trip over to to the Southern Hemisphere mid-season or vice versa. Mm. Mm. Or they or they go to a conference um, in both competitions, a conference set up in both com- competitions and play lesser games and, and open up bigger windows. That's, that's what I think they should be doing. Hey, we've got a question here from uh, one of our texters, Jamie. He says, hey, guys, great show. Do, they, do you think it's okay to have an Australian ref in the World Cup semi-final and in the final as Australia had their Australian referee um, ref in there. It's a, always been a contentious international issue, um, Joe, when you've got uh, uh, not having a neutral referee refereeing. What's, what's your thoughts on that? Has there been much said about that? No, I don't, I don't think there's, there's been too much said. Look, I, I think I think we, we all have enough trust in, in referees these days that they're going to be, to well, be should, refereeing. Should Crichton have been sent off? Oh, that's a tough one, isn't it? Um, at the time, I didn't. Th- it, it's, it's, it is strange because you can see which way it goes, can't you? At the time, I thought, well, if if Harris Tavita is had to leave the field, then should it have been a sending off? Because obviously, if Samoa are having a player leave the field, should should the Kangaroos, in essence? But then I, I watched the game back when I got home. Uh, yesterday, and I, I kind of had a different outlook on it, and I thought, well, if he had been sent off, then I don't. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I've got. I've got to sit on the fence <laughs> on, on that one. I think. It's a smart, uh, a smart move when you got to be in the Yeah, I, I, I was in pro- both press conferences at, at Old Trafford after the game, and and they both went the way that you'd you'd expect them to. Uh, Sam Old coach Matt Parrish was saying that. He, he believes it should have been a red card, although we did acknowledge that it wouldn't have made a difference to the scoreline in the end anyway. Uh, and then and then the Australia coach, Malman Inga, came in and, and thought that it, it was in no way a red card. I think it, it depends which... If it, it, yeah, it just depends if you were in the, the Samoa or the, the <laughs> Australia camp, I think. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking to uh, Drew Derbyshire, Deputy Editor of Love Rugby League. Um Drew, a lot of um, community support here for Samoa. We've seen uh, Auckland basically taken over by uh, blue and red flags hanging out the side of cars. Traffic's been stopped. Um, a lot of people celebrating the fact that Samoa even got to the final. But just from your point of view, you know, as a, as a, as a rugby league fan, a little bit disappointing to, to finish the tournament with such a one-sided final? Yeah, I think I, th- I was kind of hoping Samoa would make... Uh, well, I, I was expecting them to to push the Kangaroos pretty closely. To be honest, I, I was still expecting Australia to to win, uh, but I thought there would only be single figures in the in the final scoreline. Look, I think the, the Kangaroos we, we can. I think they they should be known as as one of the great sporting sides. Uh, I think they've got something uh, impressive, like a ninety percent win record over the last twenty years, or something like that. Um, it's a, a staggering stat, anyway. Um, so I think I think a lot more respect needs to be given to to the Kangaroos. I think uh, in England, especially, we're we're a bit envious of of Australia and just how, how successful successful they, they have been over the last ten or uh, twenty years, especially in World Cups as well. Uh, but take nothing away from Samoa. I mean. It's it's an almighty feat, the first ever tier what tier two nation to to reach a rugby league World Cup final. Uh, I think they deserve an enormous amount of praise, and I think the the players deserve a, a lot of praise as well because uh, a hefty amount of that Samoa side uh, were 
we were uh, we're getting phone calls and stuff from from the kangaroo and, and kiwi camps about playing for for that for those tier one nations uh, a couple of months ago so but they, they wanted to represent the the culture and the, the heritage and the family um so uh, big raps must must go to those players um because they've they turned down obviously more money in playing for australia and, and new zealand to to represent the family so yeah, mm. uh, I'm a I'm a massive fan of Samoa after this World Cup. Yeah, I, I agree with you. That's uh, how we grow the game. Is we allow kids to go back and play for their home home nation. Hey, just before I let you go, Drew, play of the tournament for you. What What do you say? Sorry, who was the player of the tournament for you? Ah, oh, I'm a massive fan of Joseph Suoliti uh, <laughs> of Samoa. He's he's an absolute. He's a joy to watch, isn't he? Uh, he's I mean, he's he's only nineteen. He's hundred and five kilos. He's six foot five. He carts the ball in like a front rower. I mean, I, I wouldn't fancy tackling him. Um, he, he, yeah, I've, I've got I've got to pick him. I've, he's he's been a standout in most of the games I've seen. Um, obviously, Joey Manu picked up the the golden boot award. He's had a, a terrific tournament for the Kiwis, and, and he was good in in mid season as well. James Tedesco. I, I'm, I'm highlighting all the full backs here, around him, but he, <laughs> it, it, the fullbacks is the, is the number one position at the minute. So, uh, from an English point of view, George Williams did very well as in in the World Cup uh, as well. But yeah, I've got to go with Joseph Suoliti. I, I thought it was it was terrific, and and I I, I I try and watch as many NRL games as I can, and I've, I've seen a, a handful of, of games that Suoliti's played in. But he, in this World Cup, he's I think he's kicked on to another level. He's he's been great. Yeah, awesome stuff. Uh, Drew, really appreciate you joining us and, and helping us out throughout the Rugby League World Cup. Let's hope for a few more uh, international games in the future so that we can uh, we can keep chatting a little bit more often. Thanks for coming on. Oh, all, all the best, boys. It's, it's been a pleasure all World Cup. Have a good one. Take care, Drew. There you go. Drew Derbyshire there, uh, Deputy Editor of Love Rugby League, just wrapping the, uh, the Rugby League World Cup. with Tony Kemp. If we can learn one thing from the other day's all-black test is this, that the referee will once again play a big part in the outcome of next year's World Cup. Yes, Mr. Raynell absolutely destroyed the game yesterday with his overarching refereeing and some pull this one out of my bottom calls. The all-blacks look like they were home and hosed. 71 minutes I thought they were there myself when a couple of dubious refereeing calls swung all the momentum back to the English side and as we know the rest is history how frustrated must Fozzie feel let alone the players after having dominated big parts of the game to only secure a disappointing draw I guess it really does sum up the year doesn't it to be brutally honest I hope the next time the team is in the Northern Hemisphere they don't get rain out in a big game. Yes, he was making absolute textbook calls, but is there a place for common sense and flow of the game? No doubt after this now, his now inf- inf- infamous call in the Bledisloe Cup, he has been under pressure. And certainly the complexity of the rules have increased exponentially over the last 20 years, but we have to ask ourselves if it's taken some of the joint spectacle from the game. More than ever, an important part of an elite rugby team skill set, and especially our team going up north next year, is now tailoring their game. Guess what, Sammy? To the referee. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp.
Look, uh, I totally agree, Kempi, that there, we can almost guarantee that there's going to be some sort of refereeing controversy at a World Cup like we've seen pretty much in every edition. I think I heard in the commentary, might have been Kane Hames talking about Raynal, how for that Bledisloe game, he wasn't even the first choice no, referee. Someone got sick and then he got pulled in. And same with this game as well. He also got pulled in late for this game. So it's interesting because I feel like he would, he'd sit in front of the World Rugby bosses or the referee bosses and he'd say, well, you know, that guy was offside. That was, you know, uh, an illegal move, move there. That was a knock on that was whatever and, and can sort of tick all the boxes. But you're right. There has to be some room for referees to let the game flow because we all know that these teams play on the edge and if we did call everything, we'd hardly play any rugby, Kempe. We just get whistles every second. And I think in the back of his mind when the All Blacks, he ran out in front of the All Blacks, having made that call against the Australians, Foley when he was kicking that ball out and then All Blacks come back, you know what I mean, get the ball, score that try. I think he's just, he's put himself under that much pressure now. He's got to get every single call right. Otherwise... People are just going to because he got heavily scrutinised through yeah, that. Yeah, totally. And I and what ha, for me one of the biggest things that I hate seeing is that the referee's profile becomes bigger than the game because then it just stops the flow of the game. Hmm. People are always talking about the referee. Now, now we got we got issues with French referees. You know, <laughs> yeah, we, we do. We really with, do. With games with the with the English referees and and big games. Yeah, the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah, refs. Well, yeah, bang guess on. where we're headed. Yeah, you know. Guess where we're headed. And if we think a big call next year isn't going to play some part, we don't know which team it is in the in the makeup of next year's um, World Cup winners winning winning that World Cup. Then you've got rocks in your head. Yeah. I mean, just to be clear, we're not by no means saying that the referee either cost us that game or, or we won because I think it was bad on both sides. You know, it was 30 penalties or something across the game. Both teams were getting pretty hard done by. Um, it's interesting, Kim, because I I feel like uh, the All Blacks actually did win the breakdown over the weekend, especially through that first they 70 minutes. Very good. Which is where we, five. Which is where you'd normally get penalised by a Northern referee because it's just such a different type of style they play up there. They slow the ball down. Yeah. Um, they you know play for penalties. So we did, I actually think we did a great job there. But where where both teams sort of got caught out was definitely that offside line, which you know well, Northern young, Hemisphere young, teams do love to love to rush up. Um, but we were both getting pulled for it. And yeah, it the, seemed, the young yeah. English halfback, he was getting called all the time. Oh, he, had, well, Jake, he had a Van, shocker. Van Port Philippe, is it? Yeah. Port Port just, he, he had a shocker, to be honest. He until... was like 22, picking that ball up and getting caught all the time, you know. Um, Papa Lee called him a couple of times, severe, demolished him. Yeah. And he was just, I couldn't believe that he left him out there that long. I know. Because you know? when Ben Youngs came on, that changed that. But, you have, a, but you have a referee, you'd have another referee, and he'd ping all the All Blacks for that. True. The, the the interpretation. See, yep. it's all about interpretation, isn't it? and I th- and I think you know you have to start to get your teams to understand that when you're playing and a, there's a certain guy in the middle of the park, these are, you've got to have an analyst that goes, well, these are their interpretations on the ruck area. These are their and what when he like I said before, we pulled that winger back for England for being offside. You know they were carrying the football. How can yeah. you be offside when you're carrying the football? Yeah, and then. Um you know, you make the point about that um, Van Van Poorfleet. He had the ball at the back, doing what the halfbacks do so often, which is roll the ball to the. They set up the rucks to have a few extra guys out the back. They roll the ball right to the back so they can get the box kick away. I mean, that is never ever called by any referee as the ball being out. So Van Fleet had his Van Poorfleet had his hands on the ball. Savi is basically saying it's out. Savi got him because he called it. And he said it's out. Well, no, he didn't even say anything. He just put it. And that's why um, Farrell went up to him and said, "Can you say it a bit louder so that we can react to it?" Because you just put your hands in the air to say mm. fair game, and Van Poorfleet didn't even hear it. So it is just that inconsistency 
between referees and, and it will harm teams at the World Cup. I, I totally agree with you, Kempi. Just uh, quickly as we keep talking about that, Lydia Ko, 16 under through nine holes. She's one under for round four and she is in the outright lead at the moment. This is the uh, CME Group Tour Championship final event of the LPGA for this year. $7 million purse. Tidy little winnings there if she can get over the line. Uh, but give us a, uh, a text on double eight double three or uh, jump on the Kenatai phone line 0800 150 811. Uh, not just about the referee, but also about the All Blacks' performance. Very disappointing last 10, 15 minutes um, where we let it slip away on us. A, a disappointing end to what has been a very up and down season. Really hard to gauge where this team's at, where um, you know the coaching group are at, given the changes they've gone through. I still maintain, Kempe, that no one, no New Zealander can sit here and confidently say we're going to win a World Cup next year. I just, no. to be honest, and look at France, undefeated uh, in 2022. They've yeah. gone through a whole season undefeated. Ireland they are the clear favourites. Ireland, you know, towed us up in our own home patch. We did look um, good, mate. Like, you know, putting our first team out there, I know there was no Will Jordan there. We did look good. That, yes, fir- that first, first 60, half was 100%. very good. I watched that first, uh, well, the first half, but the first 60 minutes, I watched that thinking if we played like that, against a, an island or a France, we, we'd have a shot. Mm. But we just haven't seen enough of that regularly. Um, so give us a call or a text, double eight double three oh eight hundred one five zero eleven. We'll get a poll maybe around that All Blacks uh, season. At the moment, it feels like there are an overwhelming number of young Kiwis doing us proud on the world stage. How good. Dylan Smith is one of those who made his name in Tokyo last year and has now gone on to top his game and become a world champ. That's right, another world champ, New Zealand's greatest trampolinist is on the line with us now from Sofia, where he proved himself to be the best amongst the tough field. Morning, Dylan, or should I say good good evening to you, mate. World champ, how good? Yeah, no, it feels pretty good, mate. Um, Yeah, it's uh, been a bit of a long time coming, I reckon. Yeah, mate, was this the best performance you've ever put together on a world stage, do you think? Yeah, I think it is. I think over, over the week... Um, yeah, I guess the way I sort of went through the rounds and, and, and played it out and, and just how solid my performances were, I think um, overall it was yeah definitely my, my best competition I've ever competed at. Dylan, uh, Sammy here, mate. We we spoke um, last year, an article we did for After the Whistle, well before the Olympics, and uh, I learned a lot about trampolining, which I didn't know. And I remember at the time asking you what your hopes for Tokyo were. You told me that you thought you were in for a medal shout, and a lot of Kiwis probably didn't even know you know, who you were or about trampolining at all. But there you were uh, in Tokyo getting a bronze medal, mate, and now you're going one better at the World Champs, getting it done at 25 years of age, which, uh, which is very remarkable, mate. Do you feel like you're sort of starting to hit that peak or do you still have room to go? I think I've, I've definitely still got room to go, but I'm, I'm on my way to, I guess, being in my prime, as they say. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I've just sort of, yeah, you know, you definitely have had some disappointments this year and learned a lot from from, um, from them. And, 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 yeah, I guess just kind of getting that experience and that maturity and it's all sort of coming together now. So I'm um, looking forward to the next couple of years and then and, and obviously Paris. Hey, Dylan, what was it like beating Alan Moranti, who's the reigning European champion? That must give you a lot of confidence. Yeah, he's a he's a good mate, good friend of mine, um, and yeah, an amazing athlete, and, and definitely can hit some hit some good scores. So he didn't put up his uh, his best work in the finals, but it's that's sport, and that's what happens. But yeah, happy for him to take the silver as well. Um, I think yeah, the the podium was was probably the, the right people from the final were on the podium. Mm. Uh, a lot of people listening, uh, Dylan, will be, um, you know, not, not 
too educated in the world of trampolining. And uh, it's one of those interesting sports where you you obviously train, practice your routine leading up to it, an event, and when you get there, it's just about executing it. It's not, you know, you're not sort of throwing things together on the day, are you? So this is something that you've been building towards. How far out from the world champs did you feel at the at the best, your routine your routine was set. You knew you could go in and, and and potentially get a top spot. Yeah, it's definitely one of those sports where um, it all comes down to the moment. And um, yeah, it's definitely obviously physical, but but obviously hugely mental as well, like most sports. But but yeah, I think we had a pretty good fifteen week um, sort of sort of lead in, and I reckon potentially yeah, ten weeks into that, I was. Uh, I was feeling pretty good um, with how I was leading in and, and how my routines were, were feeling and, and how I was um, mentally at that, that point. So, yeah, it was it was uh, probably about, yeah, I'd say a month or two out, I knew I was going to be in with a good shout. And, uh, you know, the world of trampolining to score 60 in the final and be two points clear, uh, that, that's that's pretty impressive for a lot of people. It generally is a little bit closer than that, mate. So you really did dominate the field, didn't you? Yeah, I, I did... Um, I guess I did dominate that final a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, for a bit of perspective, I came third by point one in Tokyo. So mm. sometimes the margins are even smaller than that as well. So, mm. yeah, really, really happy um, to put up a good score. Um, but, yeah, I know there's there's other athletes out there that um, that can they can do um, similar scores. So I, I need to still keep pushing it and um, trying to trying to get, get that score up. Hey, Dylan, you obviously you let everyone know that you were in with a chance to win a medal um, last year and then you've gone on to become world champ. You've got a, obviously a, a real good inkling of where your school level's at and you're young to boot, mate. You know, you're 25, the, the, the Morantes and all that, they're, they're world champs at 30. Do you expect to be holding this title for, for a number of years? Oh, I'd hope so. I'm, I'm definitely going to give it a good a good shot, you know. Um I actually got told the other day, well, yesterday, um, I'm the first non-Chinese athlete to win world champs for the men's since 2007. So the Chinese wow. have been dominating since 2007. Um, and you definitely want to um, try and keep it away from them as, as long as I can. But, you know, we'll just uh, have to take it world champs by world champs and see how we go. What's uh, what's next for you, mate? Do you get a little bit of time off uh, now heading into a, into a Kiwi summer? You come back home and, and enjoy the sun? Or, or yeah, what's what's next on the cards for you? Oh, I'm definitely going to enjoy the sun. I can't wait for summer. It's um, yeah, been looking forward to it. Um, definitely um, have have a couple of beers with the mates, and uh, I'll still be training. Um, you know, next year's a huge year for me qualifying for for Paris, so um, I'll be back into it. But yeah, a bit of a break over Christmas, and um, and yeah, just enjoy. I guess uh, enjoy the hard work that I've put in um, over the last few months, and um, just celebrate and just keep ticking on with life. Hey, Dills, just before I let you go, mate, how awesome was it to see fellow Kiwi Bron- uh, Bronwyn Dib take out the women's double mini trap, uh, mini tramp crown? Yeah, I'm glad you you mentioned that. Yeah, honestly, um, so good for her. You know, she's been knocking on the door for a while and for her to finally um, become world champion is amazing. Um, and not only that, you know, Maddie, our um, female Olympian, you know, first female to make the world champs final um, for individual trampolines. So awesome effort from her. Campbell Robertson, finals for double mini. And also Regan, you know, 12th in the world for individual men. You know, he's the only guy to break the top 16 apart from me. So um, overall, the team just performed out- outrageously um, good. You know, we had uh, our most successful uh, trampoline world championships for New Zealand um, in history. Um, so, yeah, just... Just absolutely stoked to be a part of this team and really, really proud of everyone.
Yeah, no, the sport is in good hands. Uh, Dylan, mate, if you if you were a star last year at Tokyo, mate, you were quickly turning into a superstar here. So we're all following your career very, very closely. Congratulations once again, mate. And we look forward to uh, to what you've got in store for 2023. Thanks for coming on. Awesome. No, no worries. Cheers, guys. There you go. Dylan Schmidt there, world yeah, champion good. in the trampoline. I just think that's fantastic. And it's honestly, it's a great sport to watch, um, Kempi. Just the moves are, it blows my mind how they can keep a track of where they're supposed to land. They got a little square mm. there. They get extra points for landing as close to the square as they can. How they can keep that focus when they're doing triple backflips and somersaults and everything. It's it's yeah. a remarkable sport. How good they are. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.